Yo, what's up? What's up, dude? <laughs> that totally threw me off your hat. I thought it was like a hood and there's just like glowing orb in front of you. There's a lot going on there. A I do a hat. I do a hat now like for every video because I feel like my hair always looks ridiculous. Uh, man, I got so many things. I have a list of like 40 things right now that we could talk about. Oh, nice. There's so much going on. Uh, good things happening. I feel really good this Monday. Let's start as we had to. Let's do intros. Who are you for, for new people here to the podcast? What is this podcast? Uh, bike Radio. This is the podcast where we just ramble about all things bikes. And I'm Josh Josh Noggle. I'm a cyclocross, mountain bike, road, gravel racer, a little bit of everything. Um, and yeah. What I mean, about while, you? We're, while, we're, while we're doing intros, <laughs> should we pick your new nickname? <laughs> oh, no, dude. You so know, I got Josh a buddy has, of mine. Jo- Josh has rejected CX Noggin, even though he's been Mr. Noggle. So I thought, what about since he also mountain bikes? What about mountain bikes? MTB toboggan. And then today I went to go get this hard, it's called a hard wallet for crypto stuff. And I was like, oh, it's like a dongle. It's almost like boondoggle. I was like, boondoggle. So did you finish your intro? Uh, yeah. You do. Let's hear you. Who, who, who are you? I'm Brendan Hausler. I'm one of the coaches and co-founder of Evoke Bike. Welcome to Bike Radio. I really look forward to this show. We are talking about a lot of different things. Oh, that was really what I was going to ask you. What coffee are you drinking? Well, let me finish my intro. I have won 90 amateur bike races. I've trained with power for just over 150,000 miles right now. That was exciting to see tick over. And my latest metric that I'm excited about is I might hit a million feet of elevation climb this year, which I did not think I was going to get. But now because of Ecuador, I think it's going to happen. So that feels like a huge number and I'm, I'm pretty stoked about that. I'm actually really psyched to see where it'll go next year, having more time or this year was just like, I felt like I was living in a backpack, uh, just being North Carolina for most of the summer and traveling around to races there. But yeah, it's cool. I've never climbed that much. So, so, so how many feet are you going to get then total in Ecuador? Well, I'm sure you don't know because you got that extra week, but in the race, how many feet are you going to get? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. I thought that the flat stage was flat. It's just that since it's 140 miles, it's still 6,000 feet. And I was like, oh, that's okay. So those, okay. So there's just some climbing. I don't even know how to, that stage is going to go. We're, I'm pumped and I don't know if we're our team is we're starting to figure out who is who. And, you know, we have no GC hopes at this thing. And I actually asked that question. I'm like, Hey, I don't know any of these guys. Like, is anybody like a climber? And the, the DS is like, okay, GC is like fight club. We don't talk about fight. We don't talk about GC. We're not going for GC. We're trying to survive and maybe win a stage. So just forget about GC. And I was like, that's great to know. Now we don't have to, you know, now let's talk about these first four stages. And so it's also to have an American team there. They want us to finish. So he's like, don't take this lightly or that I'm saying this as a rude comment to anybody. But if you finish the race, that's a win. So that kind of, I mean, I'm worried about the time cut for sure in the mountains. I don't know how that's going to go. Although, 
I really think that this is the best possible setup with the first four stages being at sea level, only up to 2,500 feet. So lower than I'm used to in North Carolina. Then the last four crazy mountain stages up to 11,500 feet. I think we start at 8,000 one day. And the thing is though, altitude hits you on the third, hits me on the third day. So maybe I can... I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to be climbing well compared to the other people, but the altitude might not have as big of an effect on me until that last two days when everyone's just going to be so beat up. And then we do a circuit race to finish in Quito, which is still at 9,200 feet. So that's going to be weird because it's going to be full gas on day eight. How many miles in the light? I'm just pumped for the experience. I'm, my bike box comes today that I ordered. I ordered this monstrosity. And I was sort of worried about this because we're going to a super small country. Uh, the, I don't know what the car situation is like. And the DS, somebody was asking, what bags is everybody bringing? And somebody said, oh, I'm bringing this, like, this bike ninja bag. And he said, those are okay if you're trying to dodge flight costs but for a race like this a uci race where there are vans carrying all of our stuff stage stage to stage for us he said a big bike box is even better and then hopefully you can throw in another wheel so i was like yes i'm being told to bring this thing and it fits i checked delta which is pretty much the only knock on wood 95 percent of the time the airline that i fly it's going to fit in their recommendation or their rules so i'm really pumped and yeah i don't don't know it's just being crazy i've only done i two other uci races one was a tandem with a guy who was bvi blind visually impaired and that was a world cup in europe which was nuts and then joe martin which was as i've said before on the podcast a great horrible experience because I was training for a 350 mile gravel race and I thought we were doing the amateur race. And then the week before they said, we got into the pro race (laughs) thinking, Oh man. And just got my clock cleaned. It was, it was horrible. So it was, yeah. So funny to think back to that. Mm. Anyways, but I'm excited too to have this this bike box I got is from the UK. Shout out to my bud Tyler, who actually is the only person who's recommended this one. It's a triathlon box where you don't even have to take the stem off. So you remove the wheels. He has a 61 frame. So I'm thinking that I won't even have to remove the rear derailleur. We'll see. I'm gonna test. I don't even know if I won't test it out, but um, being if I could actually travel and fly with a bike by getting it ready in 15 minutes that will highly increase the chance of me bringing the bike places i hate packing the bike i hate taking the bike apart just what what's the box way the box weighs good this is a huge question no pun intended 22 pounds okay so i should be totally fine i almost bought this Thule one and i looked it up and the box weighs 39 pounds you're over 50 automatically worst box and i almost bought that and then i was then it really threw me for loops because i'm thinking i need to buy this box and so it's called bike box allen from the uk i paid 
an arm and a leg for the shipping. I was talking to Chris. I said, do I buy, do I pay the expedited? And he said, well, if you don't, it's a maybe. Then what are you going to do? You're going to get the bike box that you don't, you're going to borrow the box that you're complaining about using from somebody else here. Everybody has the, you know, the normal rectangle, take everything apart. I just don't feel like doing that. And it's more of a pain with hydro hydraulic brakes. Oh, for sure. Hey, wait, break down the name again. Bike box. Allen is A-L-A-N, yeah, it's okay. out in the UK, and it's called the Aerofit, no, <laughs> plug, Aerofit, it's called the Aero something, it, it, there's two choices, and it's the, there's a bigger, it's not the biggest one, but, and it was expensive, it was 700 bucks, I spent <laughs> around, I think, 250 bucks on shipping, uh, he's like, yeah, so you spend either $800 and you don't get it, or you spend... 9:50 and it's here on Monday. Like, okay, you're the voice of reason. But like you said, though, if it's a box that's going to work and like it gives you peace of mind, yeah. like, you're going to use this box so much. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually extremely pumped, and I'm going to Slovenia in September, and and Chris really, Chris's thing is traveling. He loves to travel, and that's one thing that we've been super pumped about is him when he's not tied down to an office. I can do this from anywhere going and living someplace for two months or what. And he, for his birthday in the middle of the summer, always wants to travel, fly somewhere. And he, he always jokes, he's like, well, I got to go far enough that we can't drive. So you can't bring the bike. And now, <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm thinking, huh? Cause I saw, who was it? Uh, was it uh, Kevin? I think was just in, Moab and I was on some of those roads and thinking, oh man, I wish I'd had my bike when I was there. But either way, this is something to look forward to. And it opens my eyes to so you know, I really want to go back to Asia. I was in Singapore for Christmas one time and wanted to have a bike. It was so hot though. Everyone there was riding. There was group rides at 9 p.m. It's pretty crazy. Massive groups, 50 plus, and so it sounded kind of neat. What kind of so oh, I'm drinking, I'm drinking, uh, I've, we've talked about this before. I don't know if I say it right. Is it Intelligentsia or Intelligentsia? I think Intelligentsia. It's Intelligentsia Illumination Blend. It's like the red bag. It's one of my favorites. Aren't they all red bags or no? Oh, you know, I don't know. I don't, I, this is the only one I've actually ever gotten. So I could be wrong. I think, yeah. is it a red logo? I've had, I know it. it's a red logo, but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. What, what about you? What are you having? I actually ended up mixing. So I, and I'll actually post a link for this. I realized they took this away and now it's back. And we've been talking about it in the Discord uh, trade coffee where they have a ridiculous amount of roasters. Someone, Patrick actually commented, he says, wait a minute, this is where you've been getting all those coffee pictures on Instagram. I said, yeah, I said, I thought you've been like just scouring or uh, hoarding bags from all your travels and you just pop them out one at a time. I said, no, man, I've been ordering them. This is the thing. He looked through the website if you want to try new coffee, yes, it comes freshly sent from the roaster because that's what someone else commented. They said, I get it fresh. I said, you're going to get it two days after it's roasted. They roast it and send it to you. But anyways, I had one bag that I did not love, and it was from Methodical, and it was an Ethiopian. And then somebody had gifted me, shout out to Ryan, a while back, a Colombian one that was a little bit darker from frothy monkey and when i get a bag that i don't like i usually set it to the side and then when one of the bags i like runs out of beans i might do a little self blend 
so I blended. We're doing a methodical Colombian San Fermin, and it's actually it's better than both were on their own. So bringing two worlds together, I was that, pr- that's, that's interesting, dude. That. I I never think to combine them. I'm always like when I get to the end, you know, it's in the grinder, and I got a little bit left. I'm like, I just got to add this extra, make it a little bit stronger. Okay, here's a question that I really still don't know the answer to, and I know that there are a lot of factors to reducing we promise we'll talk about bikes people but of reducing the freshness of coffee beans and there was one blog that made an interesting point you know when you see coffee in tubes at grocery stores the air is getting in there that's bad so keep it airtight as much as possible i while these bags are pretty airtight if you end up say with three bags of coffee and you only go through coffee maybe a bag in a week that seems kind of aggressive is that I don't even know how many cups there are. It, 10 days, okay? A bag in 10 days. I'm the only person in the house that drinks coffee. So now the third bag I'd be drinking over three weeks later from the roast date. Do you pop each bag within the first week so you get them the freshest, but now knowing that all three bags are going to be going three weeks opened, or do you do bag one in week in the first 10 days, bag two in the second 10 days, or bag three in the third 10 days, I still think bag three is not getting the freshest taste. So I just pop them ran. I don't do like five at a time, but I have three bags usually kicking around and I, I find it's nice. Then in the morning, I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, I think I want that one this morning. No, I'm going to do that one. Or one and one. I've been trying to limit myself to two cups of coffee, which is less fun, but it, I feel better. You're blowing my mind, man. That's not how we do things here. We do a bag, like it goes in the grinder, and then when that's gone, you go to the next bag. Wait, like you, grind, no... you grind it all at once? Uh, no, not at all at once, but I'm saying it's, yeah. but there's a little, like, you know, like a uh, oh, hopper. T- yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I wake up earlier than Chris. So is not the most pleasant noise if you're trying to sleep. So I bought a hand grinder. Yeah. So yeah. I'm only putting a, I'm doing 25 grams for my cup of coffee, 400 ounces. I realize that's more than you're supposed to, but it's one of those things you feel kind of devious. You're like, yeah, I'm doing it. Whatever you like, man. It's your coffee. It's your treat in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's been good, but But wait, I got one more coffee thing. I want, isn't there something about, can you keep beans in the freezer? Okay. You're not. Okay. People do it. Google it. I'm sure there's different schools of thought. But I think, I think if you keep it in the freezer, you're probably only riding sweet spot. So that's a bad correlation <laughs> that we want. Don't do that. Daily sweet spot session. That's our well, segue into cycling. There we <laughs> oh, go. So what I was going to say is I'm going to put a link in here. If anybody wants a free bag of coffee, click on the link. You sign up. You don't pay anything. You're not required to order. Like if I get bags when I go travel, then I just push my next bag out three months. They don't care. It's um, just looking through the website is very entertaining from uh, just a variety of coffee. And I also, I thought I liked light. I think I like light medium. And you just discover new things. And I'm still working on tasting, tasting, taste notes. This one was supposed to have sweet orange, lemon, and red apple. I really just got the flavor of coffee, but working on it. So 
Last coffee question. Going to okay. Ecuador, what are you going to do? You bring all your stuff with you? So Matt Govero is coming with me, and he is a future Velobrew teammate. We've raced against each other a lot. We both have an affinity towards Instapots and coffee. So I'm going to coordinate with him. I think I'm going to bring – I think we need – I mean, they're going to have good coffee, I would think, down there that we can maybe get our hands on. But what if we can't? That would be a that would be a problem for a lot of things. So I need to ask him if he has a travel. It would be great if we could make two cups at once. My pour over, I don't. Actually, I might be able to do that in a pour over. But I would need the craft thing, and I it's glass. So we would need to sort that problem out. What are we going to... I mean, we could get a, maybe a plastic pitcher and just, yeah. So we got to figure that out. I'm going to bring some for sure. We're going to be in a hotel the first night. We get there a day before everybody because of flight times. It made way more sense if I flew out on Sunday than Monday. People coming on Monday, we figure life out on Tuesday and then we start racing on Wednesday. So, yeah, I just really hope for safe race being able to finish, having it be about athletic ability. And there's just so many things that could go on in eight days. It's doing the tour of Southland made me realize how I have no idea what doing something like the tour de France is, which sounds obvious, but I'm not even talking from the physical side. When you hear athletes talking about going to the hotels and the transfer time, it sounds tough. I remember finishing our stages thinking, oh, we have to drive back an hour and a half. And granted, we didn't have, we had one soignere, but we had to make food and we had to make rice and we had to get bottles together and we had to wash kids and we had to do this and we had to fix the bike. I went to bed and I was so tired and just wake up. I was like, okay, here we go. Go race, go get smashed, go do it all. There was one day where when you finished in the town, it was awesome, but then the hope was, please let us just be able to get into the hotel with no staff Lou, and you knew someone's room wasn't ready, and you see Joey Pants is in the lobby in his kit, and he's trying to go find a bathroom. It's like, oh, man, I feel so – dude, do you need a shower? Like, come use our sh- – like, it just – so I'm hoping for a smooth logistical race and hope that there's, you know, there's going to be crashes at some point that we can hopefully dodge as many of those as possible, and – I'm really excited to see the country. Richie Carapaz supposedly was doing a ride at 12,000 feet and somebody rumor had it that he would maybe race on the Ecuador national team, which would be so freaking amazing. If not, he's going to be there, I guess, regardless. Hopefully, I mean, he's been in Ecuador for a few weeks. It looks like from Instagram, I went and checked out his page, but that would be amazing to just see that dude and fanboy and maybe get a picture and just, Give him a little, what's that, dap? Give him a little, give him a rock. <laughs> yes, definitely give him a dap. Yeah. So we'll see what happens, but. Sweet, man. Yeah. Monday yeah, I was just, in, in regards to stage races, I'm thinking like, I don't <clears throat> obviously have any, with like a, a race of this, you know, level, but thinking of Dream Mountain stage race, like mm-hmm. that's stressful. You know, you got the time trial and then the circuit race, but now it's like, a proper road race. Um, and yeah, it's just, and then this is just amplified. What you're going to is like on a whole different level, you know? I think it's the biggest difference is the t- 
time. Just, you know, GMSR, I never had to give bottles to somebody. I didn't have to have somebody, hey, your bottle's raised. Like, oh, I didn't do the bottles yet. And you're going to run and do the bottles. And you finished the stage and you just drove back 20 minutes or whatever to the place. If our place was 40 minutes, we were like, 40 minutes. Ah. And I don't speak Spanish. So if I'm on my own at some point, I need, I can cobble some things together, but yeah, it'll be different. And I, I really, though, that's one thing I really like. I asked, somebody had said to me when I was in Belgium that it seemed like I enjoyed not knowing everything. I, I sort of enjoy being in a place where you look around and you're, when you move to a new city, you're like, okay, where's the best produce? Where's the best apple? Where's the best that it just keeps life fresh. And so this is going to be a really cool two weeks. And I think I'm actually very pumped. Hopefully I'm injury free and safe and all's well. And that last week we'll just be kind of exploring Ecuadorian roads and get some good routes and climb to crazy altitudes and then come back and it's Christmas. So can't beat that. It's going to be dope. What about routes? Do you have routes planned? Or I know you have a buddy who knows his way around there. Yeah. I'm just going to steal from some from him. I think it'll also be weather dependent. They're thinking that when we get to the mountains, it might get rainy. So I don't really think I can escape that, but maybe that'll dictate some things. I'm not sure. I definitely want routes because I don't really enjoy randomly riding around. It actually makes me quite anxious. So I'm really more of a, like, I like to know how far I am from stuff, especially if I'm in Ecuador where I don't know anything. I'd rather not be dead on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere and like no one can find me. So yeah. Roots hey, for what's, sure. your, what's your go-to rain gear? I know there's not really too many options here, but I'm just curious what you go with. Usually. So we might be wearing these Vi 13 or V 13. I don't know how to pronounce it. They suppose they have a really good rain jacket. I've never raced in a rain jacket, but I will say that from tour Southland, I realized that was a horrible idea. And everyone had the GABA, which I think is Castelli. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually need to message the people. I looked at a lot of people like, wow, these guys have some serious jackets on. And it got very cold. I was freezing. I was in, I was 40 miles in an 80 mile stage thinking, I cannot wait till this day is over. And we hit a climb and I was already in such a bad mental place that I got dropped and watched, I don't know, 30, 40 guys right away. And I was just thinking, oh, this is a bad day. <laughs> this is not, not why I came to New Zealand. But that's honestly why I probably wouldn't do that race again. The weather there is gnarly. And I would have been more, I assumed Ecuador would be hot. I heard 70s, 80s. It's going to be warmer on the coast, but when we go to the mountains, it could be 50s and raining. That can get kind of chilly. I hope it's not 40s and rain. That's the worst conditions ever. But, you know, if it rains, just go hard. And, it's you know, when it's raining, that if it, if it gets to be bad rain, energy gets zapped in a weird way. You know, you feel so cooked afterwards. And your body is just struggling to stay warm. So much energy is going to that. That if it does rain those last four days, there are going to be some wrecked bodies. And who knows what's going to happen. But fingers crossed, I put 
people really started to, oh, I'm checking the weather and da da da. So I sent the sun emoji seven times and then one partly cloudy emoji. I said, here, there's the forecast. Let's not worry about it. See you guys in Ecuador. Just sunny vibes only. Well, you said that before. It's out of your control. So it is what it is, right? I'm definitely not going to worry about it. I'm more thinking, okay, do I have to get all my stuff? I just bought this. I've always, when you travel and you can't bring CO2, because now I'm going to be flying everywhere, I never have a pump. So I just bought, you can't see this. I bought this Lizine little baby floor pump, which looks adorable. And so I'm actually pretty excited to use this guy. So I'm just more trying to like make sure I have all the right things. I have to get a UCI license and da 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 da. So all those little things. Tech. What are you gonna ask me? I was gonna say, dude, UCI license. You should. Um, you've got. You've obviously got one before. But well, I'm saying you already have one. But I know you have to like get like your birth certificate checked or whatever. There's like a process there. But you, you're probably all cleared there. No, I actually don't have one. Oh, yet. I've okay. gotten one before. I don't have one yet because we need to all have the same team name. There have been teams that, which I still don't understand this. Raleigh, actually, it's on Velo News, was on a team that they got kicked out of, I can't remember the race, because it was just a composite team. And for some reason, the race didn't want just a cobbled together team. So we all have to be either from the US or Canada. We couldn't have any international riders. And all have to have the same license. So we're waiting to hear what team name we're going by and getting that. So we'll see. But somebody asked me about a tech question or to bring up some bike tech. I have a, I have something here for everybody. When I'm converting to wider tires and I've been using these WTB exposure thirties, they actually measure 32 on my bike I put these on over Labor Day. So the beginning of September, the front one is still on my bike. That has to be 3,600 miles on that thing. That's insane. So I ordered two. Oh, do the other ones come? I ordered two more. And then, then I thought I should order two more. So I have four coming. I'm going to bring those. But that is a ridiculous amount of miles on this tire. And because it's wider, I'm assuming that because of that, it's not boxing off as fast. And so right now I do have a 25 on that I had from maybe this one is actually very old. So I'm trying to use that up. The roads in Florida have a lot of, you know, shells and little sand stuff. And there's definitely some grit. I flat here more than anywhere else that I've ever ridden, but yeah, I, I emailed or submitted to get sponsored by WTB. I said, Hey, do you guys want to try to get into the road scene at all? Because these tires are ridiculous. And then the ones that I was very curious how they would roll in a road race. I used them at the North Carolina state championship, won that race, one sprint was ripping some, there's a little chicane area was one of the only times in my life thinking less brakes guys. Like, come on, if I'm going brake free, you can too. And then I realized, Oh, I'm on monster truck tires. And these people are on little 25s. So look at me in the tech game, everybody. Getting you know what I'm curious? This, this is great. I'm curious though. I want to know what the other guys in the team, what are they riding? Are they, are they doing like classic 25s, like maybe 28s? 28s. Yeah. Matt Govero thinks he's going to convert me to tubeless. <laughs> he said one of his goals is here is to give me a tubeless and he's got a week in, in Ecuador. And I was thinking that's definitely not going to happen. 
Well, does WTV do a uh, tubeless version? I think these are tubeless, actually. Uh, okay, sweet. Although I had heard that these did not mount or there was in, I don't want to call them out. I heard they're not the best at getting set up. And so right there, you lost me. And sealant, you lost me there. And Adam was trying to be cute in the discord and saying, my flats take zero seconds to change because he has tubeless. But I'm saying when it goes wrong, I understand the concept of tubeless. Thank you, Adam. But when it doesn't work, it's a pain. Dude, I've been tubeless on the road. I gave I gave it up, but I was on the side of the road walking to a bike shop because I was like, yeah, 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 no. Changing a tube takes me seven minutes or less, and I'm back rolling. It's not the best thing, but and maybe it's changed because if I did tubeless, I would still do much wider tires now. But when they were I did tubeless with maybe 23s. They were impossible to get off. The tire lever was like, bing, ready to just absolutely snap. And a guy said to me, is this really easier than changing a tube? And I was like, no, I swear, this is like the new thing. Everybody's doing this. You got to do tubeless. He's like, I, I don't know, man. You seem to be struggling. And you have this goo gunk stuff all over the place. And now we can't get a tube in. And we need to go to, we were trying to go to a bike shop in Bloomfield. and it was not not a good situation yeah that's frustrating dude makes a bad situation much worse Mm -hmm. so anyways hey if you've if you guys have made it this far in the podcast will you do me a huge favor if you're on apple and go and leave a review a five-star review would be better than a one-star review and it just gives context to other people that this is a good bike radio show they should be listening to and if you're on Spotify, someone said the algo there is just follow or save or, or interact, interact with the episode somehow, we would greatly appreciate it. And I wanted to do that plug in the intro and I forgot, but. And hey, I meant to post this in the discord. If you want to leave a review, you have to scroll all the way to the bottom. It's kind of a little confusing. I remember when I, when I did it a while ago, I was like, I don't know where to do the review. You have to scroll to give, the bottom. Did you give us five stars? One star. I was like, this is too much. Somebody too much. gave us three. Talk I about would, bikes. If you're the three star person, would you hit me up? Let me know where we let you down. And they're probably going to say it was the issue. It was the episode with the horrible volume. But it's actually, <laughs> I, I do appreciate all those comments. We got a lot of them. And I think we're on top of it. If we're not, let us know. So, yeah. So the tech side, I got my pump, got the tires. I'm getting the bike overhauled by Christian down here on monday after thanksgiving super excited for thanksgiving heading to north carolina to my sister's house and what did you guys have any plans we are going to lucy's uh dad's house <clears throat> usually we don't do anything usually we just when we lived in the city we just did our own thing we stayed mm-hmm. in the city and it was nice it was quiet mm-hmm. but this year with us having a car and things being a bit safer we're going to travel so it's gonna be nice cool yeah my sister goes buck wild with the food and I'm actually starting my rest week right now and I'm going to ride a little bit quick ride tomorrow before I drive up that way. I'm going to get a quick ride in on Wednesday and then Thursday I'll be able to lift and ride, which will be good. So it'll keep me out of the kitchen and it'd be good to see everybody. I'm really, really pumped for that. Try so let me ask you about too much. I wanted to ask you this cause you have lifting on my calendar. So are you going to bring something with you then? You're going to bring they like a kettle? actually have a squat rack 
some full gym ah, in garage. Nice. Yeah. I think although kettlebell, I was, you know, when, when I started back consistently lifting, I was in blowing rock. And so the gym, it's only about 10 minutes away. There were a few days before we left. It was super busy. We had just moved all the stuff in there. There were just, I didn't have the half an hour of driving. It just wasn't in the plans. And so I was using, I had a 45 and a 50 pound kettlebell, which I have traveled with before when going back to the farm or whatever. And kettlebell swings, you could do some squats with those. You would do some single leg or even just Romanian deadlifts with two kettlebells. And 45 is a little bit heavy for like a bent over row, but you could do some type do some push-ups. You could find, I think the goal is find four exercises and you can find, you can make four with a kettlebell and then do the core maybe for 10 minutes. That counts. That counts for sure. You could even do the rear foot elevated split squat body weight. Those are, I find those always tough, which makes me, I really need to, I'm glad I'm doing those. They're not easy. And you know what I did? And I, I've heard mixed reviews on this. I don't know. I'm curious to get your feeling on this is I had like a 25 to like two 25 kettlebells. And then I got a 40 pound weighted vest, which you have to be careful with because it can mess your form up. But once you're confident with that doing, it's an easy way to add weight for like a rear foot elevated squat or a split squat, something like that. I never thought about the form thing. Patrick has a weight vest that he uses and I would be worried for people to have a shoulder or back issue or yeah. Cause then if you get in a knot, if you're not just standing straight up, then it, the force of the weight pushing on you is sort of weird, but I could see that working. Yeah. Have I ever told you, especially for squat, even just regular, can you do regular squats or does it get in the way of your waist? No, it's fine. You can totally do it. Yeah. That's what I was doing. I was doing, I would hold the, like I had, I have two 25s and then I think a larger, like 45 kettlebell, I think. And I would just do, you know, typical standing mm-hmm. squats. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's cool. You were going to ask me something else. Um, in regards to traveling and using weights when we're getting on this topic, um, have I ever told you about when I would go to Christmas for Lucy's day? This is about like getting the rides in how I would go to Lucy's dad's house. When I lived in the city, we didn't have a car. Have I ever, mm-hmm. ever told you this story? No. I would ship my bike to Lucy's dad's house from bike flights. I would bring the, we would take the train to Boston. I would take the trainer with me on the train and I would set it up. We were there for like seven days, usually at Christmas. And I would set the trainer up in his garage. Her whole family thought I was insane. Um, But yeah, just like got it done sitting out in the garage by myself, like Christmas morning. I absolutely, how long were you doing these rides? How, how Uh, like how long were you doing? Like maybe like two hours like maybe three hours yeah that's incredible that's yeah. uh bodo one of my guys who's big in the discord he just did a three hour and i his comment that i loved was cut it short but got three in and i was thinking that's a long trainer ride and kudos for doing the hit a work meeting and just made it happen get it done i'm i'm posting a podcast with owen shot that was he wanted to talk about endurance and why do base miles and just hit on some big topics that are really key at this type of time of year. And one of his questions, we had a few questions that we decided we would just ask each other on the spot. And he said, so coming from the Northeast and I don't want to, I'm not going to ruin the podcast. You should definitely check it out. But one of the questions was 
how did you do it when there was no Zwift? And it's simply, do you want it? Seven days off is not a great thing. And you figure it out. And I, I gave, I forget exactly how I said it, but it's not being a tough guy or tough girl saying, you know, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to be hardcore. And I'm going to do this. It's just, if you really want something, you're going to go do it. And I have said that if you're in the middle of the week, I would really only want to ride 70 to 90 minutes on the trainer. Let there be no confusion. The person that rides two hours or two and a half hours on the trainer is going to come out better. More, especially now, is better. If you mentally cannot figure that game out and take that, then that's fine. Don't come to April being burnt out but I would say be proactive and figure out how can I find the love to do this task. And the reason I think that I would say, especially now, I don't even know if I would ride a trainer is because I spent so many years doing it, which were the years that I needed to lay those bricks. There was no way I was going to hit 10,000 miles in a year if I was not on the trainer. And those miles, actually, now I think about that, I did a hundred. We didn't, we didn't have Zwift. So those miles didn't even count because we were the OGs said indoor miles don't count. Don't add those to your log, put time in. And so I never really thought about that. So hmm, I'm curious how many miles those would have been. I never thought about that, but anyways, I had to put the time in. I was new. And that time that I put in then has had a massive effect on today. And goes to the question that came up in the other bike radio when someone said, how do you do these back to back to back? You're training like a pro. You're not a pro. It's just that I've ridden a ton. And when you have three months and every ride, you're cutting 25% off. Guess what that does to your total? Cuts it. Not 25 because you're not doing it all year, but 10, 7, more than it should. So don't be confused. Get the rides in, figure it out. Another great thing that came up in that podcast is cadence. Something that I don't focus on a ton, but I actually started doing a little bit more higher cadence to warm up. And also I think in riding in the mountains, I was getting a little grindy, a little torquey. And I've been trying to get back towards more of a high 80s 90 when cruising and that's not natural for me i think it's also partly from age but my self-selected cadence is definitely more low 80s and i think picking it up more might be beneficial especially to warm up with i'll do some high cadence every once in a while but i never made it a thing i think i might start doing that what are you talking high cadence you talking like 110 plus 100 yeah, plus 110 yeah. even okay. 100 plus yeah. you notice it i think enough that you're thinking oh i'm pedaling fast yep but Owen had some good points. I enjoyed the podcast a lot, actually. We went down some, a couple little rabbit holes. And it's just like when we do these conversations or when we have like the coaches talk, there's a – every coach has a different view on things. And it was nice to have somebody that we – we chop it up a lot but don't do podcasts together. And so might try and – get him to come on a couple more. It was, he had a wealth of information and it's interesting too, from him coming from the running and triathlon world first 
he had a ton of Palmares from that. And now the cycling Palmares, he's just beast. So it's always nice. Oh, something that I definitely want to highlight. If we're talking about back in the day stuff from the OGs. And you can tell me, I actually didn't ask anybody this yet. I don't know if this is a common thing talked about, but how not to crash when you overlap wheels. So we used to, when we did training races as the cat fives, the first 30 minutes was skills, go in the grass and bump into each other, learn. The one thing that I always remember was learn how to rub wheels. So they would actually have you ride into the back of someone else's wheel. And did you, did anybody ever tell you about this? Because I feel if in order to race, yeah, go, go, no, go. I was going to say in order to race in CRCA in central park, you have to do a skills clinic. And that was one of the skills. So I did it like whatever, eight years ago or something. How did they explain to you? I'm curious if this is the same way. Well, if I'm remembering this correctly, you would ride up behind someone, you would overlap and like you would touch wheels and then you would, you would lean into the person. So you would actually turn into the wheel. Yes. Okay. So I have never heard people talk about this except from back in the day. And so this, there's, there are, maybe two corners on this. No, there's more than that, but this was one of the few turns It's more of a very wide chicane. And we were in the group and we were going pretty quickly. And because the road turns, they have all these reflectors on the side. Well, it's raining. And so for some reason I made the bad idea of I'm going to go to the right of these reflectors, just sort of where my bike was heading. I'm like, okay, whatever. And then as we're going through the chicane, I'm like, Oh crap, I need to move to the left side because the shoulder is going to end. And so I kind of, I'm wondering how wet these things are going to be. And I was like, Ooh, I better like scoot across this pretty quickly. And as I do so, the guy that is in front of me is sort of fanning over more as opposed to cutting more in. And I was like, Oh, this guy is coming right for me. And I didn't want to hit the brakes too much. Cause there was a couple people behind me. And so before I could even start feathering them, I'm like, Oh, um, this is, we're right on top of each other. And so he is on my left. And so my front wheel is going on to the right side of his rear wheel. And that's the thing. You just take your foot off the gas, didn't hit the brakes. And we're, and I just sort of leaned into it and I can feel the pressure. And he slowly, like at, he's still pedaling because he doesn't really feel it at first. And he rides off and I'm straight up and we keep going. He kind of looked back like, what just happened? And I kept thinking, damn, I'm glad somebody taught me that because your instinct is to turn it away to like, I'm on this wheel. Let me turn. And when people turn, if, and again, he was on my left-hand side. So it's my, the left side of my front wheel. If you turn the bars to the right, that's when you do that catastrophic family guy style crash, you're up to the ground in no time. So if you have not practiced that, it's a very weird feeling the first time you do it because you don't think that you, maybe I don't know physics well enough, clearly, but intuitively when they told me that lean into the guy, I was like, wait a minute, is that going to make us crash? Like, and they tell you the guy in front of you is barely going to even notice that you're there. Just hold on to the bars, lean into it and let him ride away from you. And that's what happened. And on we went. And I was thinking, this is all my second group ride. That's the last thing I needed to do <laughs> was to take the group out. So that was a nice, I wanted to share that pearl from Genesee Valley Cycling Club. And thank you, Mike Minerva, for teaching me that. Saved a, uh, oh, it would have been a disappointing Saturday. 
And you know what, something else here just to highlight, and I bet you people listening, they probably know this, but you are responsible for your own front wheel. Like that guy, you you need to be able to navigate your wheel, keep it safe. I always thought about like the, I was always taught like the box on your front wheel and make sure like you don't get yourself in a bad spot with the box. Like know what's happening what's the, and like I don't know what the like, box is. Like like a box, like um I'm thinking like I think it was always like you have you have your hoods, right? And like you think of like a box mm. going out to your front wheel and then mm-hmm. a box over to the other hood mm-hmm. and like know what's going on in that box. Don't get yourself in a bad position there where you're gonna touch wheels or touch something. Yeah. Um you're responsible for that. Protect area. your front wheel. And the guy exactly. in front of you, even some people, yeah, and that they'll say, Oh, why did you move towards me? He's just riding his bike. I mean, this is he's flowing with the people in front of him. They might have shifted over and he's following behind. I was the one resuming back into the line. It's hundred percent my responsibility. I actually remember that in one of my first Cat 5 Ray training races, a guy ran into the back of my wheel and I had no idea. All of a sudden, this guy goes down. He overlapped, which just wasn't paying attention, just did a Cat 5 thing and crashed. And I got massive coo- – I stopped because I didn't know what happened. I was thinking, oh, my gosh, did I just crashed. Like, what just happened? And it was – I didn't know what crashes sounded like. So it was – you just see this guy splatter. And everybody races on. And at first, I was thinking – we. People aren't stopping here. It was it was probably my second training race. I had no idea what was going on. And someone, I think it was the guy on the ground, was like, man, you didn't have to stop. I was like, you just ate it. He's like, yeah, you're, oh, you're new here. You usually don't stop when people crash. And especially I'm behind you. That was my totally my bad. I'm like, oh, well, whatever. You okay? And so, yeah, you learn that that's just part of racing. But I think everybody the first time, everybody probably stops and is just – uh, it's such a weird thing. What up, Ricky? I don't. He probably doesn't listen to this, but he's a good dude, and I'm glad he was okay. It wasn't a bit. Wasn't bad. It was just some road rash, and on to the next one. You know, one other thing I want to say here is is now in races and road races, I see where this happens is where like maybe you're in a break or you're off the front or maybe you're just riding the front or whatever, and that guy around you looks back over his shoulder to see like if there's a gap or whatever. And then he starts veering, you know, that's why mm. I feel like that always happens. And I'm always yelling at people. I'm like, dude, don't look back. Like, don't, you're just, you're going to crash all of us out. The veer and the, there's also people, if you pull off the side of a pace line, let's say you're pulling off to the left, you are not doing a world tour sprint lead out. You don't need to fly five feet across, 10 feet across the road. There are people that like take their pull and they're like, me. The whole point of you pulling off is to shed still the wind for the other. You're pulling off into the wind to protect the other people. When you go flying off, you've now exposed everybody and you have totally screwed over the person who was pulling before you, who's waiting for you to pull off and hide behind you. So it's don't do these crazy pull offs. And sometimes people will pull off and yeah, the pace line gets mangled sometimes. And the next guy is not immediately right behind you you don't need to yell or look around or like make all these moves someone's coming if someone's not coming then like then yeah things got sloppy and maybe people aren't pulling and so other people aren't pulling but most of the time someone's coming just chill for a second people spaz out up there and it's dude i hate that when i'm next it's like the dude gives me the glance like dude i'm coming all right yeah like, chill I'm, out. I'm, I'm there and it's <laughs> 
you don't need to tell me I screwed myself over. If I'm doing it properly, I'm coming right past you so that you're shielding me as most as possible and I'm doing as little work as possible. The person that when I pull off and someone waits to start coming, I'm thinking this person's not going to win this race. They have no idea how to conserve energy. They're clearly new and they've never ridden the pace line. If you don't know what we're talking about, so when you are next, you want to be anticipating when that person is pulling off because as they start to pull off, you want to start riding past him so that you get past him as fast as possible so then you can pull off. That Do as little work as possible while keeping the train rolling. If you watch him pull off and then you go, you're gonna you're catching more wind. Just be smooth, and that might not seem like it matters, but if you're in a break for 30, 40, 60 minutes, it makes a big difference. It really does. And, and I pull I've, off. Go ahead and pull off into the wind, and that changes when you when the course changes, the wind yeah. changes. Yeah, I've been. That is the most. Uh, where what race was it? Um, I thought I had gone insane and I asked somebody else who I, I, I said, why are we pulling off to the right? They said, because we don't know what we're doing in the space line. <laughs> okay. I thought I had gone crazy. There was a kid, there was a small child telling me, no, we're pulling off to the right. I'm like, uh, no dude, the wind's coming from the left, pull off to the left. No, we're pulling to the right. You don't have any idea of what you're talking about. Oh, great. So we should shelter the people that are moving towards the back and we can all bust ass through this wind. Got it. Just, Tra- uh, training and recycling, training and racing tactics. What's the tactics book? There's a basic tactics book. Read it, get with it. I should look it up, but it's. Is that Hunter Allen? No, it's. I actually can tell you in a second. So. And then also keep pedaling when you go off the front so you don't shed yourself off the back. Yeah. If it's motoring, exactly. It's called Racing Tactics for Cyclists by Pren, P-R-E-H-N, Thomas Pelkey, Charles Velo Press. And I'll put a link in here for everybody. So I'm going to put the trade coffee link and tactic book link, making a note. And if you guys don't, aren't in the Discord, we just gave away a pair of gel bows. We gave away a bunch of Hello Blue CBD, a bunch of Lactigo. Come on the Discord, share your thoughts. It's the place to be. I'm, I'm, I check that every morning or at night. I love it. Oh, Dude, I can't wait. I can't wait till I get one of these giveaways, man. I'm in, I put my name in the hat every time. I know it's not. Well, my hair just did something crazy. It's, uh, you know, it's just a drawing. There's almost 70 people in the last drawing. So chances are less, you know, it's one in 70. It's not the best shot, but I felt very badly because i tagged mark who won the gel bows and then i tagged everyone saying hey here's because other people had asked about the, the glasses and i've been a huge proponent of this lens that i'm it's photochromatic and so when i tagged everybody this guy thought that i had tagged him and he was like yeah baby hard work pays off here's my address and i was like I'm really sorry, man. You didn't win. He's like, wait, what? I got, it said Joe winner. I was like, oh, sorry. Read the whole message. I, my bad. So sorry if anybody else thought that they won. Maybe next time there'll be others for sure. But yeah, they're, they're legit. And Bodo put the comment, trust, 
<laughs> trusted but verify. I like that, man. <laughs> yeah, I laughed so hard. Bodo's funny. He's not going to be in Florida for our team evoke camp, but I'm looking forward to ride with that guy one day. So the I've actually also, in terms of lifting, I've been lifting after the rides. I tried it last year, and maybe it was because I was I was not leaving a gap of time, but I was trying to lift at 5 a.m. and then ride at 6.15 a.m., which I do enjoy the lift and ride, but I thought, I'm going to try this other way. The, the gym that I was at closed and the gym I'm going to now, just I don't want to drive over there then. And If I leave three to four hours between and now with this RPE, it feels pretty good. And I think also there's got to be some benefit to riding, recovering, and then sort of having another workout. And since the weights, I'm not lifting ridiculous amounts. It's been pretty fun. I'm, I'm curious about the longevity of this. I feel like I'm getting strength and my body's getting that, like I'm lifting feeling again. And my, the reason I'm bringing this up is I think I'm on a better path to more consistent year round lifting, which I would have done this past year had I not had the injury. But it was weird. Even after I was recovered on the bike, I went to lift and I put 90 pounds total on the squat and it was the tension through my back. And I thought, this is not, this does not feel right. And so we just can the lifting for a while. And that's why part of the reason I was doing those kettlebells in my basement, just really easing back into it. So I'm hoping that, and I had some weird, this, as I mentioned, the last bike radio, my hip flexor was bothering me again. I think it was just torquing too much here and sitting a lot. So I think I have my saddle position, right? I did two, five hour rides or a four, a five 15 and a four 30. And then I went to the gym. I think I'm good. Fingers crossed. It's um, just getting through these times where it's not, all easy breezy and you have to put in extra energy can be frustrating, but I was trying to got to do all the little things too, the stretching, the glute bridges. Da, la, 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 la. So, so maybe this is a can of worms, but I'm curious if you're waking up at five and hitting, like you were doing the gym, then going for a ride. When are you eating? So when I was doing that, I was waking up at four to get to the gym at five. So I would eat a little something before the gym and then I would come back. I would, I would, that's when I was actually drinking it, like a shake with carbs in it too. And then maybe some, I wasn't doing syrup. I'm trying to think what else I was eating. It might've just been gels and then went to the ride, but it wasn't, it was good, but it wasn't ideal. It was so early. It was, and I, that's one reason why I felt like I just drilled myself into the ground because it's very easy to ride. At that point, I was feeling good. I felt like I had to do these six hour rides and I wasn't really accustomed to doing more four or four and a half hour rides. It was all, you know, all loaded on the weekend. That's why I asked a lot of athletes this year, hey, who can do a three hour ride during the week? I think it'd be super beneficial. And I'm not doing gravel this year as much, so I don't care about doing six, seven-hour rides. It's just not applicable to my racing. And yeah, so I, I, I yeah, so I'm, 
the lifting too, somebody else, Jimmy on my team just started and he's here. And I was telling them how the, the strongest that my core gets is from definitely the deadlifts, the, the squats. I think just holding the weights and everything. I still do core specific exercises, but man, you deadlift and just that, like the core just gets ridiculously strong. I'm, I love that feeling. So hopefully I can keep it going all year and we'll see. Hey, speaking of core stuff, what I've been giving my athletes to squeeze things in, I know all about the five minutes per day. There are so many plank variations you can do and you can knock that out in five minutes, like no problem. And like planks are like, oh, I can do a plank, like side planks. You, if you have like a little, some free weights, like there's so many, like uh, renegade rows, stuff like that. And like, mm-hmm. they're so beneficial. I need to look at renegade row. What is that? It's like uh kind of like a push up, like in a, in a plank position, but then you lift it up. Yeah. Okay. In a row. Yeah. Maybe oh, there's another okay. name for it. I feel like all exercises have like three names. Some do. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the Romanian deadlift, the, the traditional deadlift, this, there's a few names for deadlifting. I messaged Matt and I said, am I missing this? Or are these the same? Like same. Okay. But we have some awesome podcasts coming up. Today's Andy. So we're recording this. If people are curious on the 22nd of November, do I do a spoiler with the Olympian that I got to interview? Should we give a teaser or do we make people wait? Let's do it. Well, so this is going to come out. Well, it won't be out yet, right? No, this bike radio will Scott Bowden. So mountain and road slayer. That was really good. He's also coaching a few people. So I dropped him in the fall, but said, Hey man, evoke bike. Think about us. <laughs> He's probably like, bro. But no, Scott, actually, everybody be humbled. He listens to the podcast. He's one of us. So, you know, it was, it was cool. It was really, it was a really good podcast. These, I just love talking to these athletes. They all have a, there's a thread of consistency or, or similarity, I should say, but just everyone's journey is different. Everyone has a different tip. Everyone has a different spin on things. It's just really really refreshing to hear the different perspectives, how they got into endurance sports. So yeah, it's good. Sweet dude. I got a pro cross guy coming in a couple weeks. Can we say who? Uh, Yeah. Why not? Who is it? Curtis white. What up Curtis? He's got his own podcast called in the red in the red. Yep. Tony Seiler and Curtis is an upstate New York guy. I don't know Curtis, but we raced against each other. A few times on the road he was younger and probably just showing up to get ready for cross season so that's awesome i'm glad he was able to do that and you know i had my last my parting thought and i'm not sure if i'm gonna be able to find it here yeah did how many of those things did we check off you said you had a long list of stuff to talk about did we like get to everything we pretty much did. There was a comment that someone said, oh, someone posted in the trainer road forum what worked, what didn't work. And so I posted my comments in there. I said, you know, I, was, I like that this was someone's topic that they created. So for me, what worked more for 2021, more over-unders at higher overs and lower unders. 
more hard start VO2 max as opposed to just steady state, overall less intervals and even more endurance. And as I was just saying, less five-hour rides and more consistent four-hour rides. And then what didn't work, probably too much tempo on the climbs. I think uh, I'm maybe seeing the downside of that right now with my hip and just getting, I need to get back to true endurance. I think I was getting a little antsy being in the mountains and just loving all that. And the, oh, lifting too, too heavy of weights early in the year. And then trying to come back from time off too fast and too hard. So I thought that was a good question. I think everybody, you know, ask yourself what, what worked, what didn't work, what'd you learn? I think a good reflection, it's, it's always, you know, it's a weird year right now as I'm getting ready to do this big race in December. But I think back to what was I thinking of in January, February, and so much happens in a year. It was, it was an awesome year. Still not done yet, man. Still not done yet. I got to hit 20,000 miles. I got to hit a million feet of climbing. I need to get a UCI point and I need to get ready for 2022. So dude, speaking of UCI points, how does this work for this race? Do you, I don't do you know. Have to get, okay, man, if I could get a if I could get a top 10 on a stage, I would be ecstatic. I'd actually even be happy with the top 20. I've never come anywhere close to that in a UCI race. So we'll see. We'll, uh, it's going to be wild. It's going to be wild. Heck yeah, man. Let's go. Let's go. Any parting thoughts? Parting thoughts. Um, well, this is going to be after Thanksgiving when this is posted, but I hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, get some rides in, in 2022 around the corner, around the corner. It's doing a bunch of planning, talking to athletes about what's up for the next year. Planning is so crucial. Even if your plans change, get something down, start thinking about it, start thinking backwards. You might realize, oh man, I have 12 weeks until I'm going to start doing these races. Do those races matter? Are they just training races? What are your buds doing? What are the family plans? Don't wait till January. For sure. And you know what I wanted to say, dude, in doubling down on what you said about like reflecting on your season, I was, I've talked to my athletes about that. I'm like, well, what do you think? Like saying to me, and I'm like, well, I have my own ideas, but what do you think? You're the athlete, you know, like, you know, way more about how you feel. So be open and be honest with how you actually feel and, you know, have that conversation with your coach. Yeah. I think it's really key because I even, I think I commented in the last bike radio talking to Lee saying now we chase after these numbers and it's one thing that sorry i just got sidetracked by somebody knocking on the door uh oh and he was like no the i feel way better than i did that year three years ago and so it's not just the numbers they're important but it's also you know i'm trying to think of what bike radio was look at your number you know can you do the numbers more times can you do 95 percent of the number five times now there's a lot of way. Don't get stuck in just the metrics. Ask yourself, how do you feel? And that's really important. FTP, bro. But my FTP didn't go up. It's all <laughs> FTP. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> all right, Toboggan. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> that- I got to think of a nickname for you, man. Next time we do this, I'm going to have a nickname for you. Well, actually, I already have one, dude. Your house dog. <laughs> house dog? Yeah. 
I don't know about that. <laughs> I think you need to keep thinking. I'll keep thinking. Marinate on that one. All right. You, you turkey. <laughs> um, oh, boy. Talk to All you right, later. man. See you. Do you know what episode this is? Is this number six? I don't know. We'll go Bike with Radio in the books. See you guys later. See you. Bye.